and welcome to Conversations Unlocked, the Unicredit podcast and your gateway to industry insights. I am your host, Twyla Doon, and together we will hear from leading experts from Unicredit and beyond on how they navigate challenges and their tips for unlocking success. Handing us the keys this week are James Han and Gianluca Pometto. James Han is a Managing Director at Digitalis, a London-based advisory firm helping clients to protect and advance their online interests. Gianluca Pometto is Head of Group Digital Security at Unicredit. Gianluca has over 15 years of cybersecurity and digital experience, working across Italy and the United States. A future Europe is one in which the majority of our practices takes place in the digital world. According to the European Central Bank, the European banking sector has seen the number of digital users increase by 23% since March 2020. But as our practices change and develop in a digital world, threats to our personal data and security are also growing. What can we do to safeguard our employees and customers in this rapidly changing space? we ask our guests how Europeans should navigate this landscape and much, much more. James and Gianluca, thank you so much for joining us today for Conversations Unlocked. So James, Digitalis helps its clients to optimise the online space and increase their awareness of digital threats. Twitter's credibility has recently been undermined by the creation of fake official accounts. What are some of the biggest challenges you're seeing across the European cyber landscape at the moment? Thank you um, for having me in to, uh, to talk. I think it's a it's a fascinating area, and and um, I wanted to briefly discuss uh, social media and the and the, the pretty rapid developments that are going on in that space around uh, both both regulation of the platforms and uh, and the actual development of uh, of the various platforms themselves. You mentioned a really great example of um, uh, the ongoing uh, chaos, I think you could say, at Twitter uh, and the sort of changes that that uh, has on on how people and users interact with that platform. We're keeping at Digitalis a very close eye on on uh, the various alternative social media platforms that are available at the moment. Um, some examples of those: Mastodon, Truth Social, that's Trump's platform, uh, Clubhouse, Counter Social. And I think that some of the challenges we'll see as we go into um, 2023 is actually firstly focused on uh, how you actually moderate those platforms effectively and the uh, the moderation processes in place in those platforms uh, is something I think uh, needs increasing attention um, and, and both from a regulated perspective and the actual tech platforms in upping their game in, in dealing with those. And the second area I wanted to, to just briefly touch on is um, from our perspective at Digitalis, we have spent a lot of time looking at disinformation campaigns uh, and building some of our technology around analysing effectively those campaigns. Uh, and we're increasingly seeing uh, the sort of trickle down of the disinformation tactics and methodologies from state-sponsored campaigns that we have a lot of experience in, in analysing and investigating uh, and seeing those increasingly moving into the corporate world, whether that's troll networks on social media platforms or, um, or black hat uh, actors looking to, to weaponize information and damage uh, clients. But I suppose the internet and social media have grown so quickly to play a, such a central role in normal people's everyday lives. How do you help your clients navigate this tricky cyber landscape in light of these threats? 
We look across the spectrum. So um, social media, you know, usually plays a pretty big part of what we're doing. Um, but we also look across, you know, the index web more broadly. Um, we're obviously focused on uh, looking preemptively to protect our clients, whether that's from a privacy basis, a reputation basis, or, or indeed sometimes on a security basis. Um, so really one of the principal areas um, uh, that we work on to, to help our clients is by conducting um, audits essentially of, of their digital footprints. And really, as, as is the same for everybody, prevention is better than cure. And trying to find this information ahead of it becoming a problem is, is, uh, is obviously the name of the game. Um, but we do a lot of work in you know, privacy awareness. Um, that's looking at both clients and, and their immediate families um, in trying to help them uh, stay private online, but um, use social media, be transparent, but be private and be safe. Um, those are some of the things we look at. Thank you. Jen Luker, I think this is a good time to bring you in because I know Unicredit has been making more and more hires in the cybersecurity teams while upskilling workers to simplify their practice, specifically within the digital space, um, and keep up with technological changes. So how important has this been for you throughout 2022? And what importance will you put to it within moving forward in 2023? Yes, uh, Tyler, first of all, thank you. And thank you also to James to have this opportunity to connect. I'm really convinced uh, that for cybersecurity, uh, to get uh, the right team, uh, the most important thing is to rely on people uh, and build a different way of working that help to retain them. Uh, what made a difference for 2022 was to define a common strategy for the team that was enabling them to work together. For 2023, what we are seeing that is really, really important, especially on our field, is to have diversity, different way of thinking inside the team. Because technical knowledge is very, very important, especially on our field. But having somebody bringing back what James was saying, that no social media, know how things are evolving, time to time can be more effective and have very technical teams deployed on the field. Just to um, uh, just to echo that point, Gianluca, I, I think that's um, it's extremely uh, uh, useful point to make because we see exactly the same thing. If we, uh, I've mentioned social media platforms a couple of times, but the the critical uh, factor of having a team that is in place with a long-standing, you know, industry knowledge. Um, these platforms move very fast. Some of them come up, some of them go. They change their um, uh, their terms of service, their use, the way the platforms actually operate. Um, and while the technology is very useful to have that in place, having a team that understands them uh, and has that longevity of how these platforms work, uh, I think it's a really good point to make. But of course, that brings its own challenges, doesn't it? And the communication between teams which have diversity of thought. This idea of communication has been a real core theme uh, throughout the series. So how do you try and bridge this gap of understanding? Um, because cybersecurity is, can be such a complicated subject. You know, we try to stay very, very closely focused on developing issues around cyber threats, digital security, social media developments, um, general sort of digital risks. We put out very frequent commentary and insights on, on emerging issues. Um, we also conduct a large amount of training for our clients. From a banking perspective, we often work with the next generation uh, who may be younger, have lots of social media exposure, but less uh, maybe um, skills when it comes to sort of maintaining privacy and security. So we conduct a large amount of training for the next generation on that to actually 
build their levels of resilience when it comes to that sort of thing? I think that uh, uh, one of the biggest challenges, it is exactly to try to explain, especially using examples, how uh, we need to deal with the topic of cybersecurity and avoid personally to get installed the fear of a cybersecurity topic because dealing with fear, I can easily say, oh, you need to block everything on your laptop so you will get a hell of a day to even open an Excel just because it's more secure. Otherwise, the bad hacker will get all your information. So this is the most easy thing to do, but I don't like to do cybersecurity in that way. I prefer to enable you to work in the safest environment. And that, of course, is where you need to get processes, the right technology, and making sure that you can get the right communication behind. And I think that also as a bank, we can make a difference because we can put our resources to try to understand how we can uh, predict some trends on the threats that are coming, especially for our customer, and we can make the right communication to them. The idea of making one misstep, particularly when it comes to finances, could lose you all of your savings or a, a large chunk of your money is, is really quite terrifying. So I think focusing on those positive steps is so important. And I'm sure, James, you, you also would agree with that. And I guess... We see often lists of threats, lists of um, dangers and lists of policies to kind of try and tackle those threats. But are there any sort of positive policies that you've come across within the cyber industry which stand out to you as being revolutionary? Yeah, I think that um, we've had a, a pretty good go at this the UK, but there's still work to go. I'm talking about the uh, online safety bill, uh, which has been uh, retabled this Monday in Parliament in the UK. Um, uh, it's obviously gone through several iterations with uh, purpose and, and several governments there with their own um, vision about what that should be when it comes to the end. But there is a lot of promise there. Uh, I think that it's still it's still kind of um, on the table and very much being pushed and pulled. But um, it, you know, in theory, the uh, the aims of what that tries to address, particularly when it comes to the online safety around children. Uh, and content that could be um, harmful to 18s and below. Um, I think that there are some pretty pretty positive aims for what it's trying to achieve, um, particularly when we're talking about uh, primary priority content, non-designated content. Um, so that's looking at ways to actually increase uh, formal versions, uh, formal um, processes of verification to actually um, uh, prevent uh, uh, youths from ac accessing uh, some of that content. Um, but there are some um, uh, issues with it, I think, still in place. For example, placing the onus on, on social media to actually self-police. Yeah, I recently went to a very, very good talk on disinformation, particularly in the sphere of Ukraine. And Carl Miller, he said there needed to be a Cambrian explosion of ideas, not just from the social media companies themselves, but from academics, corporate world, all over in order to try and fix these. That's a really great point. And recently, my colleague and I were in um, uh, in Prague to um, uh, discuss disinformation challenges in Europe. And 
Um, I think that one of the key takeaways from that is uh, with the current view of what's happening with regulation, you know, unless there's a better framework for uh, governments to actually deal with small to medium enterprise businesses with the knowledge, the skill sets, um, you know, that, that you and I are talking about. Otherwise, it's, it, there's not that in place. It's left to um, big tech, big social media companies that, that have the monopoly of that narrative. And, and frankly, they're not doing the best job when it comes to, to regulation monitoring. So so I think that that's a really, it's a really quick key point from uh, Carl Miller there. I will add just a comment because I fully support on what James was saying. I think that uh, regulation policies are making really a support for all the cyber uh, um, posture overall. But I, I also think that uh, uh, they are not enough, especially because the cyber threat are changing so fast. So I think that there is always the need to balance what is already uh, released and what is next. I'm really uh, open and really curious to see the new uh, Artificial Intelligence Act, because Artificial in Intelligence is something that we can really unlock for the future especially also my field on cybersecurity, we are using, starting using it to the next level. And I believe that there is the need also to start thinking how others will use it to, <laughs> to bring forward additional attack or, a or uh, something different for the, from the original purpose. Yes, yes, absolutely. And what are the preventative measures that you can put in place in order to be able to protect against it? And then just a follow-up question really from that, Gianluca, is what do you think the role of financial institutions like Unicredit are in combating the cyber harms that we're seeing emerge at this moment in time? Today, attacks can come from somebody that is sitting miles away from where uh, your bank is and the scenario are without any limits. So we have a real responsibility to make sure that we protect the overall ecosystem and they tie back also to the way we communicate. So our responsibility is to make sure that we explain that, explain the risks, and as well as help all the different type of customer from Gen Y to Gen Z to make sure that we got the right understanding of the implication of staying safe on the different channels, on the different situations. Yes, and tailor accordingly your responses to the various different audiences that you have. That brings me really well onto the next section of the podcast where we ask a Unicredit member of staff to ask a question to our guests. So over to them. Hi all, this is Anja Brandner speaking. I'm currently working in the project management team in the CEO office of Germany. And my question is, what value do you see in white hacking and have you had any experience with this? So... For the purposes of the podcast, I'm just going to give a little explainer on white hacking, which is when an ethical security expert legally tests an organization's software for any security issues and reports them to said company. James, shall we kick off with you first? Yeah, there's huge value in, uh, in white hack, uh, hacking. Um, obviously, preventative measures are always going to be better than uh, finding that there is a problem down the line. You know, we see a lot of uh, efforts to target companies and businesses with sophisticated phishing attacks. And often that comes back to the ability to socially engineer their targets by finding information about them online. Um, so when we're conducting our, our digital footprint audits uh, and we're trying to map out every single piece of publicly available information, 
that very often pulls up the types of information that those hostile actors can use to make their uh, attempts to get inside a system more credible uh, or, or, or pose as um, uh, key personnel by email attacks, et cetera. So, so yes, I think there's huge value in white hat hacking and, and particularly in conducting preventative audits uh, for key personnel. Great, thank you. And Gianluca? I think that uh, this is a very, very important uh, tools uh, that uh, cybersecurity professionals have uh, at their disposal. And uh, I always make, to explain it, I always make the example of thinking when you are designing the alarm system of your house, what you do as first. You try to see what is the door that you would use to enter the house, the, the one that is more hidden, So, but you know your house, so exactly you know where to start looking at, because then you need to suggest what are the protection you want to put in place. I think it, this is the, the same way that we do white hacking. Yes, absolutely. It seems that this type of area of expertise has a place in all subject matters I, I used to work at within the military and, and they've had a very similar thing to white hat hacking, which was red teaming. James, I'm sure you've you've heard of that term before. And I do think it is so crucial. But finally, I just wanted to ask you both as um, experts within your field, last series, we asked all of our guests for their best piece of advice and their key for unlocking success. I'm very happy for you either to do it within the cybersecurity space or from your own personal experience. But if you just had one sentence for unlocking success, what would it be? James, should we kick off with you first? I think my one sentence would be, uh, don't be afraid, use social media, use these digital systems. They are obviously fantastically useful but be prepared, get audits done beforehand, have those in place, know what your possible vulnerabilities are uh, and work ahead of time to, to address those. Very nice, thank you. Gianluca? My motto is uh, ready for the unexpected. And I think this is the key to unlock the success, especially on the cybersecurity field, because every day we need to deal with something we don't know. Thank you so much, both of you. I think... Both of those pieces of advice are brilliant. Actually, a, a mentor of mine who was an ops manager used to say, danger never takes a day off. So I think that be prepared and ready for the unexpected are, are two very good um, weapons to have in the arsenal for preparing for that. <laughs> Thank you both so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it and we look forward to you joining us again soon. 